I'm one of the pastors here, and I am delighted that you are here with us today to continue on this journey we've been taking on the road marked with suffering. And before we embark on that journey today, I want to give you this blessing. The Lord be with you. Also with you. So we said when we started out Lent, we were going to think about suffering and this road, and so we put it in the middle of the room so that you could not avoid it. And we said that we were going to ask everyone to think about three things. First of all, to think about the suffering of Christ. And secondly, to look at your own life and think about the suffering that you might be experiencing to see if there's anything you can learn about that. And then the third thing we wanted you to do was we wanted you to look at each other and recognize that we don't walk this path alone, but we're walking it with other pilgrims who also may be suffering. And what are we supposed to do about that? And we're taking as our text for this journey the passion narratives, which are the last part of each gospel. About one-third of the gospel is about the last week of Christ's life, and that's what we're looking at. So today, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 22, and I'd like to invite you to turn there if you've got a Bible. If not, you can open up your phone or your device and use the app. Luke chapter 22 is where we're going to read together. And I'm going to start reading with verse 39. Luke 22, starting with verse 39. Jesus went out, as usual, to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. And then he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, and he knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing... Take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him, and being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he rose from prayer, he went back to the disciples, and he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping, he asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. And while he was still speaking, a crowd came up, and the man who was called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. But Jesus answered them, No! No more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, the officers of the temple guard and the elders who had come for him, Am I leading a rebellion that you have come with swords and clubs? Every day I was with you in the temple courts and you did not lay a hand on me, but this is your hour when darkness reigns. And then the next little section here from verse 54 to 62 is about Peter's denial. And we're going to skip over that for the time being. I want you to look at verse 63. The men who were guarding Jesus began mocking and beating him. They blindfolded him and demanded, prophesy who it is who hit you. And they said many other insulting things to him. This is God's word and it's true and we can rely on it. 
Okay, first question for the day is this. If you could solve one problem in the world, what problem would you like to solve? Only one, but you could solve it. What problem would it be? Two options. You can either go to the app and answer the question that's on there, or you can turn to your neighbor and tell them, what is the problem you would like to solve? Go. Okay, people got something in mind? I just heard one voice from the side over here, sorry. I want to know what my options are. Is this like multiple choice or... It's hard to pick, isn't it? I mean, is this world got problems? Are there a lot of problems you'd like to fix? Yeah, there are, aren't there? It's hard to maybe narrow it down to one. If I could fix one problem, I'd fix the problem that I notice when I'm visiting in the hospital or... It's a problem I notice when I'm at the long-term care center. Or it's a problem that I hear when I'm counseling with somebody. Or it's a problem that I hear when I watch the news. The problem I would like to solve is I would like to end suffering. Would that be great? Because there's a lot of suffering in this world. Now, something else I've noticed as I've been reading through the Gospels is there is a lot of suffering and pain around the story of Jesus. Have you noticed that? especially as we get toward these last days of his life, there is a ton of pain and suffering. And I wonder, as I'm reading these passages, why so much? Why is there so much suffering? Why does Jesus have to suffer so much? And when we come to the descriptions we just read together in Luke 22, you'll notice that the brutality starts as soon as he's arrested in the garden. So the guards come and there's this like constant barrage of beatings and being mocked. I have it pictured that they're prodding and poking and slapping and punching and hitting Jesus time and time again. And as the night wears on, the guards, the soldiers have free reign to do whatever they want to. We were told that they flog him, they beat him, and then they flog him and they beat him again. Then they twist a crown of thorns together, they press that down on his head. This goes on all night long with no sleep. And then the morning he's shuffled from one trial to another trial and each time pushed along and prodded and poked and kicked, spit on, mocked, insulted. It just gets heaped on him. And then finally at the conclusion of the whole matter, they take this heavy crossbeam, they lay it on his shoulders and they make him carry it up the hill to Golgotha. And when they get him there, they lay him down and they drive a nail through his feet and they drive a nail through each hand and they lift him up on this pole. I understand that crucifixion is a very painful way to die. That the only way that you can continue is to get your breath is by pushing against the nail in your feet so you can get the weight off your chest so you can fill your lungs with air. And that this process can take a long time and that every time you push up your back's scrapes against this wooden beam, and that finally when death does come, it comes by suffocation. Horrible way to die. As I'm reading these passages, I recognize that 
there's not really an explanation given for why the suffering has to be so intense. This is what crucifixion is. Now, some of you who are wise will, and know your Bibles well, you'll go, well, you know, it had to happen because there's these prophecies in Scripture. It's fulfilling prophecy. And you might be thinking of a passage like Psalm 22. Here's what Psalm 22 says. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It's melted within my breast. My strength is dried up. My tongue sticks to my jaw. You lay me out on the dust of death. The dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers circles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare at me and gloat at me. This is suffering, and it's intense. Isaiah 53 adds to the physical suffering a sense of kind of spiritual suffering. Listen to these words from Isaiah 53. He was despised and rejected, a man of suffering, familiar with pain, like one from whom people hid their faces. He was despised. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. By his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him all of our sin. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. It was the will of the Lord to crush him. According to Isaiah, Jesus suffered all of this by the will of God. At the hand of God, he suffered. This torment was so great this, this physical or this spiritual torment began even in the garden before they came to arrest him. He was in such anguish, anticipating what was coming, told that he, he was sweating drops of blood. He was crying out to God, if there's any way to remove this cup, take it away. And there was no way to remove it. So it leads to the cross where Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's all alone. God has turned his back on him. And that suffering would be far worse than any nail through your hand or any strip of flesh ripped from your back. He was all alone. Why so much suffering? Now, I've got to admit to you that um, having to stand in front of you and say all this is hard. And I want to, like, back off because I feel like it takes us, like, right up to this cliff And I just want to jump off and say, I can't take anymore. It's overwhelming to think about this. So I have some tactics for dealing with this. And one of the tactics is, okay, well, let's just back off a little bit. And I'm just going to give you some real nice biblical reasons for why this had to happen. Maybe we can get just a little bit detached from the actual suffering. So that's what I'm going to do, give you some reasons why Jesus had to suffer. The first one is this. Jesus suffered to absorb God's wrath. The law, you know, tells us that we're supposed to love God with our whole heart, with our whole soul, with everything we are, and we don't. We go running after other things. We love other things. We don't love God fully. And the law also says we're supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves, and we don't do that either. And the law actually says that we're also supposed to love our enemies and pray for them and do good to those who persecute us, and we don't do that either. So we break the law, and the consequences of breaking the law is we deserve God's wrath poured out against us. It would be unjust for God not to punish sin. It would be wrong. And so God has to punish someone for our sin. So Jesus says, I'll take your sin and I'll put it on me. 
and then I'll take your wrath. This is why Jesus had to suffer so much. He was taking the wrath of God for us. Jesus suffered also so that we could escape that curse that comes from disobedience to the law. You know, the law is always right and always just. And the law says we're guilty, all of us. We're guilty of violating the law. And the only way to avoid the punishment or the curse of the law is if someone else will take that punishment for us so that we could be, instead of cursed, blessed. And Jesus says, I'll take the curse of the law. I will take that upon me. And so Jesus, the perfect law keeper, suffers so that we can receive God's forgiveness and blessing. Jesus suffered so that he could reconcile us to God. Because if we're in this state of brokenness and guilt and sin, our relationship with God is broken. Jesus says, I'm going to suffer so that I can remove every barrier that's in the way, every roadblock, everything that would keep us from God. I'll remove it, but if I have to remove those things, it's going to require suffering. So Jesus suffering so that we can reconcile with God. And this is also to show us just how great God's love is. So Jesus suffers so that we can appreciate how much God loves us. The measure of God's love is revealed by the degree of the suffering that was endured in order to save us. This is the way the Bible talks about it. For God so loved the world that he sent his son to suffer in our place to reveal his love. So you recognize the degree of God's love and how incredible it is and the measure of God's love grows even more when you realize how undeserving we were to receive it because he died while we were still sinners. He didn't wait for us to come to him. I'll die before you come. Jesus suffered to show God's love. He suffered to take away the condemnation that we deserved. Because of our disobedience, we deserve condemnation, but Romans 8.1 says this, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why is there no condemnation? Because Jesus was willing to suffer for us. Jesus suffered then to bring us to God, to bring us near to God, so that we could be like his sons and daughters, so that there would be no barrier, there would be no obstacle, there would be nothing to keep us away. Jesus said, I will suffer to remove everything. You know, good news, a gospel means good news, And the good news is this. The good news is that God longs to know us. He longs to lavish his love upon us. And Jesus came so that we could know God's love, so that we could be in relationship with him. Jesus suffered to give us eternal life so that this relationship with God could go on forever. He died in our place so that we could be with God forever. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This was because Jesus suffered that we received this incredible gift. So there I've just given you seven really good reasons why Jesus had to suffer, why he had to walk this path marked with suffering. And I think these are some of the most amazing truths that we hold to as Christians. I think they're foundational to our faith. They're fundamental to what we believe. And when I hear these, it just makes me in awe of the lengths that God would go to ensure the possibility for salvation for all who believe in him. And I think it's, I mean, I have books on my shelf in my office that go deeper and deeper and deeper into the reasons for these suffering. We sing these songs and these hymns 
Some of the great classic hymns of our faith are about the depth of Christ's suffering and the way that revealed God's love. This is such beautiful stuff. And I feel like I'd be remiss if I didn't give an invitation right now to say, if you've never understood just how much God loves you, if you've never trusted in Jesus to be your Savior, why would you wait when you see how much He loved us, how He was willing to suffer for us? In fact, most theologians tell me this. They say that if Jesus would have had to die for the sins of one person, He still would have gone to the cross. If it was just your sin... That was the only reason Jesus would have had to suffer all these things. Jesus still would have done it. That's how much he loves us. So why would we not trust him? And if you're at a place in your life where you want to do that, this is a a prayer. I'm going to just give you a simple prayer. You can pray right now to trust Jesus that he died for you, that he could be your Savior. It would go like this. You'd say, Dear God, I am convinced that Jesus suffered and died for me that he died for my sins, that he died to give me forgiveness. And I gratefully acknowledge that I am a sinner, but I trust in you to forgive me. I trust in the work of Jesus Christ to give me everlasting life. Amen. That's as simple as it can be. And if you pray that prayer and you mean it, it's the beginning of a whole new life with Christ, a whole new pathway with Jesus. That's probably the best good news I could offer to you. And as I'm thinking about this, I, I do have to admit, I, I have a but, a, a yeah, but. Even with these great truths and these great reasons for Christ's suffering, I still feel like there's something else. And I don't know if there's an answer to this question of why Jesus suffered so much, but I got two more thoughts. The first thought is this. Jesus suffered so much to show us the sin that we are capable of committing. You know, selfish ambition, envy, greed, anger, hatred. These are the things that the men who nailed Jesus to the cross had in order to inflict that much suffering on him. Terrible evil. Selfish ambition, greed, anger, envy. We are all capable of that, every one of us. And sometimes in our world today, you want to go, yeah, okay, uh, wink, wink, sin's bad, we know that's bad, but we're all basically good people. We're all trying real hard to do the right thing and just give us enough time and we'll get our lives straightened around, we'll figure out, we'll conquer this stuff. You know what? If we could conquer our own sin, then Jesus did not have to suffer. We can't. Jesus' suffering shows us our own wickedness and our desperate need. That's the first thing I was thinking about. The second thing I'm thinking about with regard to how come there's so much suffering in this story. Jesus suffered so much to show us how we can live in a world that's really broken. Jesus was meeting with his disciples shortly before these last days. And in John 16, this is what he says to them. He says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But, take heart, Jesus says, I have overcome the world. The world is broken. Anybody disagree about that? The world's broken. Very broken. And it needs to be repaired. 
And we believe that because Jesus walked the road marked with suffering, one day he is going to set everything right so that everything that is broken will get fixed, every injustice will be turned to justice, every pain will be healed, every tear will be wiped away, everything will be set right someday. But not yet. So we're living in this world waiting for that day when everything gets set right. How do we live in that time? I think we have to be honest about our suffering. We suffer and the people around us suffer. We surrender in the middle of that suffering. We trust God to walk with us in that suffering. We mourn with those who mourn. We pray with those who have lost all their ability to pray about their suffering. We continue to walk through the suffering. We stay on the path, the road marked with suffering. And on our best days, on our really good days, we believe that the, the Savior who walked the road marked with suffering, He will come again and set it all right. And on our best days, we even rejoice in our suffering because we recognize that in our suffering, that's where we meet Jesus. That's where we come near to God. Uh, do you know the poem the Footprints in the Sand poem. It's kind of a famous poem that's out there. Uh, Apparently, the person who wrote this poem was looking at their journey of their life, and as they were watching their life, they could see footprints along the beach. And throughout most of their life, there's two sets of footprints. And the person could recognize that in these two sets of footprints, Jesus was walking beside them. But they noticed that when they got to the time in their life when the struggle was the worst, when the suffering was the greatest, there's only one set of footprints. And so the person cried out to God with this lament, why did you leave me when things were so bad? And Jesus is listening to the person as they're lamenting this, and he says, no, you don't understand. Look closer, because you'll recognize this. When things were the worst, I did not leave you. I carried you. Now, I'm not a big fan of, like, cheesy, sentimental poems or anything like that, and I used to, like, not really enjoy this poem whatsoever. And then I went through a time of suffering. And I recognized it was true. When my life was the hardest, I couldn't even walk. Jesus carried me. And I had this hope, and I have this trust to this day, that when my suffering gets absolutely the worst it can be, Jesus will not leave me because he's already suffered so much. And I want you to sit with that idea for just a few moments. We've got a classic Lenten hymn, one of my favorite hymns about Lent. I'd just like you to think about the suffering of Jesus, your own suffering, the suffering of the people around you, and what does God have to say to you about that as you listen to the words of this song.
to join me in a word of prayer. Lord God, we come before you today. I just want to say thank you for the way that you lavish your love upon us in so many ways and for the, the best way of all by giving your very own son to suffer and die for us. We are so grateful for that and we give you thanks and we pray that you'll continue to walk with us and uh, Hold us, and God, we do trust you to do that as we uh, walk through whatever path you have laid out for us. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. As we prepare to come to communion, we want to continue to think about the suffering of Christ and what that means for us, and just to ask you to continue to reflect on suffering as we uh, sing a song of worship together. One of the places where we see God's goodness revealed the most clear is when we come to this table. And what we come to celebrate at this table is that sacrifice made for us. And we're told to do several things at this table. We're told to remember. We're supposed to remember Christ's suffering, his body broken, his blood poured out. We're also told to come here and find hope because this meal is like a little foretaste of a great feast that we're going to share one day. And this week I've been thinking about that feast as like a banquet table that goes on forever. Like no matter how long your path of suffering is, the feast table goes farther than that. And that there's this day when every tribe and every tongue and every people are going to come down, they're going to sit at this table, they're going to see Jesus face to face, and you know what? On that day, everything will be made right. So we come, and this little meal is a foretaste of that great thing. And the last thing that happens when we gather here is communion. It's abiding. We come near to God in the Lord's table in a way that doesn't happen any other time in our experience. Jesus is here with us and we experience him through the bread and through the cup. On the last night when Christ was with his disciples, he took the bread and he blessed it and he said, this is my body broken for you. As often as you eat it, do it in remembrance of me. He also took up the cup and he blessed it and he said, this is my blood poured out for you. As often as you drink from it, do it in remembrance of me. This morning, we're going to invite you to participate in this meal. If you have trusted that Jesus Christ is your Savior, you're welcome to come forward and participate.